started last week with uh, a story from Francine Rivera playing with the magic, looking at how the magic in big moments gets us to where we need to go. And today we're going to talk much more about the mundane magic, the magic that is just with us every day, just little stuff. It doesn't have to be grand or glorious or have a lot of pizzazz or wow. And the more we cultivate that daily magic, I call it everyday magic. I love everyday magic. The more we pay attention to it, call it forth, enjoy it, honor it, the more it comes to us. And it sort of buoys up our existence, if you will. And it just, uh, again, as we spoke about last time, you know, it's the winks from the universe along the way. It uh, supports us to feel less alone, to know we're in dialogue with the universe and not the only ones talking. And, um, and it supports us then to, to open to what's bigger. What am I a part of? What am I one with? So um, I just want to say right now that Lynn Frazier will be with me later on, and she is part of the Yoga Farm community. She does some teaching for some of the yoga teacher trainings. She does a daily meditation that's absolutely fabulous. That's really about presence practices, really dropping in with body and breath. Lynn supports people to, to calm, to meet, to be with their own nervous systems and their own bodies and thoughts and awareness in the moment. And through that awareness, she supports us to deal with our trauma, the big trauma, the little trauma, and to come back to now where with our own rapt attention, it's just what's happening in our own bodies, in our own beings. We come to wholeness, we come to wellness. Or we just bring ourselves down from a moment when we think we're not okay. So um, one of the things I want to talk about uh, uh, related to the magic is that the magic is with us when we think we're not okay. The magic is with us when uh, we feel disconnected, when we think uh, we've lost it, or, or when we're mad at ourselves. Maybe we feel... Uh, that it's a punitive thing. We're being punished uh, if the magic doesn't show up, but we'll go there ahead of time and we'll think, oh, now it won't show up. And then we create that. Uh, we just miss what's there. We don't see it. We don't give it our focus and we lose track again. So part of the whole thing of cultivating magic in the mundane, the daily, everyday magic, is that it trains us to watch for it. It trains us to see it. It's like the little glimmers can come through even when we're plastered to our beds in a state of grief or depression or, or, or like some super freeze because of a, of a life disappointment or failure. Uh, I mean, failure is always a perceived failure, uh, not a real one. But so cultivating the mundane as an ongoing thing uh, then calls it forth more readily or gets us back to it faster when we disconnect. The magic never quits us. So speaking of that phrase, I was talking to Daniela, uh, Daniela, Danny, Daniela Hess of the Yoga Farm community, and she, she said, um, what she loves about the everyday magic thing is that when you see the magic in the mundane, then the mundane quits you. So as we focus on it every day in the most mundane things, I'm washing the dishes and whoa, bubbles are cool. Uh, the more I do that, the more the mundane quits me. So last time we talked about, for example, uh, aligning numbers on a clock. You know that you always look up when it's 1111 or 444 or whatever. So, um, you know, uh, there's, there's more than clocks. I often have aligning numbers on receipts or I have a numbers magic when I'm just doing my checking and, and balance. I know, I know my online banking keeps track, but I like to actually write things down and do the math and know that what I think I have is it matches what the bank thinks. And um, so sometimes I just have these, these, you know, palindromes where like 
8008 is, is a palindrome. It's the same going forwards and backwards or aligning numbers or, uh, or repeated numbers like throughout the little tally of the day, like the, the number 47s in, in several entries. But so today, for example, I was, I was with my son and we were just on an errand and we stopped for gas, super mundane stuff. Nothing cataclysmic going on with him. And uh, he just pumped the gas while we were talking and, you know, just stopped when it stopped itself. Can you see this? Do you see all those ones at the bottom? <laughs> That's how many gallons we had gotten by the time he was done pumping. Um, so, and I had asked for, you know, hey, show me, show me that I'm, that I'm tapped into the magic. Give me, give me something in these next couple of days. I think I said that yesterday uh, as I was heading toward this program again. And that's just super fun. It, it's not, it's not going to change anyone's life, uh, but, but it sort of does. Because the more we notice it, the more we allow ourselves to live in the fullness of who we are. Because when we, when we get trapped in the mundane, we think we're nothing, or we think we're, a life is pointless, or we, or we require intensity, or, or, grant, or glory, or constant successes to, to feel okay about our worlds. And when these little things are happening, uh, and we're noticing them, and we're, we're loving them, and we're loving life because of them, then, uh, then we actually get to stretch into our missions and our soul callings and our growth, our, our healing and evolution. Um, let's see. So, um, you know, I wanted to just mention a couple more examples, like, you know, bugs, just the fact that you can always see a new bug your whole life. Um, and uh, so words, there, there's a lot of cool stuff that can happen with words, like the, like the radio's on or you walk into a store and the song that's playing echoes your thoughts or something you needed to hear or, or reflects what you were thinking about. It could even alert you to how tragic your mood is. You know, maybe there's no grand significance. Like you realize, oh my God, like I've, my thoughts have been sounding like this country Western singer is describing, you know, the loss of, of their sweetheart or, or whatever. And, um, and, and we can call ourselves back. The magic is always calling us back to ourselves, back to now, back to playing with whatever we're playing with, uh, following our own belief systems, living in integrity. Uh, there's a word game that I like to play. And sometimes I just think it's so much fun when the, the words that I'm forming in a particular game relate. They, they hold themes of what I've been thinking about or what's been happening today in my little world. You know, it could be stupid stuff about what the cats are doing or, or whatever. Um, so we talked last time about bird sightings a little bit, you know, and um, my friend Evangeline, who is a wonderful coach and healer, um, her website is Sacred Dive. Dot com. Um, I love Evangeline. Uh, for those who know the Enneagram, she's a seven and she's super fun. And um, so we, there, we, were told, we were comparing bird stories and she was doing a session with someone as, as the one being healed, not as the healer. And it was about matters of, of the family and, and she was in a state of real sorrow. And, and there's a bird, the uh, rose-breasted grosbeak, uh, that represents, when you look up the meanings, one of the things it represents is healing the family heart. And while she was in this session, it, uh, a bird came to the window. It was a rose-breasted grosbeak, and it was like slamming its chest repeatedly into the window. Now, that's not a mundane event. That's like kind of a fabulous sighting. Uh, but so in the mundane, you know, you, uh, I, I remember one time I saw the rose-breasted breasted, grosbeak, well, the first time I saw it, I looked it up and I, we were very much in need of family healing. And this was many years ago. And um, this summer, so that was a one-time sighting. That was one of those wow kinds of sightings. But this summer, a rose-breasted grosbeak has nested, uh, the pair has nested, in the in the woods just behind uh, my girlfriend's house, and we keep a bird feeder right on the edge there, and and they've been coming to the feeder, and it's just always amazing to see them. I mean, look up that bird if you haven't seen it, rose-breasted grosbeak. The the it's it's like it has a heart on its chest, and um, 
it's a like blue jay cardinal sized bird. It's, it's, it's a little bigger than your average songbird. And the red on the chest is just a fabulous color. It's like a deep rosy red, absolutely fabulous. But so, so this summer, there, there they are. And, you know, there's definitely a, a healing the family heart theme going right now in our, our little combined world. And it's just the sweetest thing. But, you know, when I see them, they're just at the feeder and it's, it doesn't necessarily correspond with some big event. It's that wink from the universe. It's like, oh, yeah. And sometimes I just see them and think they're cool. And sometimes I see them and I, 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 I think again of healing the family heart and, and I pause with that. So sometimes with the recurrences of, of something that's become symbolic for you, plus a memory or plus a thought insight or a flash to something, you know, it's the combined effect that, that brings something in for you. You know, like I told a little cardinal story last time, and that was kind of a, a momentous event where a baby cardinal lived in my house for two days. I don't even think I mentioned it was learning to fly, you know, so like I had little sticks and like little bowls that have pens in them, you know, I just, there was a dearth of branches in my living room and whole house, it turns out. So I just kind of put them around in different places and, and the bird kept landing on them. It was so much fun. But so, you know, sometimes I'll find a cardinal feather. And so I'm called back sometimes to that event, sometimes to what that meant to me, sometimes to just, uh, you know, looking it up again and seeing what it means to be me now. You know, and there was a time when my dad was dying. I walked out of um, my parents' house to to go get Starbucks. Uh, that was the nearest thing that that was drinkable. Um, and a fox was dancing in their little suburban cul-de-sac neighborhood area, dancing like this fox was dancing. It was so beautiful. It was so amazing. And I just. And it didn't leave because I stopped the car and watched it. Well, so, um, you know, sometimes I just see a fox. Uh, and, and so, you know, so there it is. What, what do I do with that this time? By the way, the time that that happened with my parents, one of the things I always remember about multiple times looking at Fox is that you get to play with invisibility and visibility. And, you know, like just sort of being queer and, um, a super white, super Republican, super um, Baptist, uh, just, yeah, just super Christian uh, area of, of, uh, of Kansas, like way, way uh, suburban of Kansas City. Uh, I, I, I knew, I actually had been feeling fine and good and I kept checking in. And then there was the day that I walked into some public place and there were a whole bunch of dykes there it was like their meetup was happening or something like so you know that timing thing can just happen all the time to remind us uh, yeah you're good you're fine um so about timing um and we talked last time about the parking lot, God, about, you know, how it, it can, if you feel that you're one with all that is, and you are the same force as, or you are part of the organizing intelligence of the universe, I am not separate from source, um, then it does make sense that someone might be leaving just as I'm arriving, that we're part of this larger orchestration, and we don't have to sit around orchestrating it. So certainly sometimes when you're aligned and you're in the flow and you've really tapped into effortlessness, uh, yeah, you have these sort of magical, oh, everywhere I go, the Red Sea is parting for me. Uh, and you just swoop down the road. And that's amazing. That's fun. And it feels lovely and it feels good. However, it's a problematic when we make the opposite mean, oh no, I'm disconnected, source is frowning upon me, uh, I've lost all worthiness, this is probably because I was sharp with my kid today or whatever. Um, so I, I, am, I am very adamantly <laughs> against those kinds of interpretations. So, you know, uh, Danny the other day was saying, you know, there's really two things the magic is calling us to. It, it, those, those little cool magical things that happen or, or you, it's like either you're aligned, yay, carry onward, or you're out of alignment, course correct. So I think course correct is my term, but, but same idea. So, um, 
So I love that. So, you know, yeah, it could be that you're out of alignment uh, in the moment that you're just hitting every stop. But what I notice when that happens to me or the parking lot, you, the parking space doesn't open up and you end up in the far parking lot walking half a mile. Uh, what I find is that that's what I need that day. Uh, it's not that the magic has left me. It might be, especially if I get increasingly frustrated and anxious and irritated by these things, if that happens, then, uh, then my task is to notice my reaction to that and not interpret it as I'm out of alignment, the magic has left me, but whoa, I need to get back to a space that calls in the magic, that allows me to tap into the magic because the magic doesn't exist in the realm. It actually does, it's everywhere, but the magic doesn't thrive and we can't get to it very well in a space of tension, in a space of problem solving. My life is a problem that needs to be solved or in those, those uh, urgent, I've got to make this happen and it's got to be this timing. The magic happens in spaciousness. It happens in effortlessness and flow and it, cultivates and creates more of that for us. It allows us to cultivate more of that. Um, so when we're not in that flow and when we feel like, we, we, it, it, oh no, am I out of alignment? You know, so am I in the religion of efficiency right now? Am I thinking that I have to get there fast and I need to be on this timeline and I've got to get this thing done today? And then, you know, am I in the, am I in doership? Am I believing that my worth comes from what I do, what I achieve? It is checking off the boxes that I made for very good and sensible reasons now becoming my whole reason for living because the boxes got created because there was something we wanted to be part of. Maybe they're about taking care of family. Well, the original impetus wasn't those, those checklist things. The, the original impetus is love and, and uh, holding them and creating a beautiful world with and for them and um, living, living your best life through the ups and downs with people you love and um, want to be there for. So, uh, you know, maybe the thing that I think I must get done today is related to my work. Which is, which, is, which is my mission, which is what I'm in love with, which is what comes through me, what life has called me to, what, what everything aligned to get me to. So, uh, so to stay in the magic with that is not to always be on time and always get everything checked off and get everything done that I'm told I'm supposed to do or that I decided I was supposed to do and so on. So, so when we disconnect from the magic, the call could be to just check in. And especially if it's those glitchy, slow you down things. So slow down. What if that's the magic? C connect to what uh, the original impetus was for what you're doing. Connect to what the moment's calling you to. What the magic doesn't do, folks, and this is another reason I love mundane magic. It doesn't protect us from the human experience. It's not trying to prevent are living a human life. Uh, human lives include suffering. They include trauma. But to me, it's, these are healing, healing journeys we're on, journeys of healing and evolution. And sometimes there's a setup of trauma to get there. Now, I'm not saying that for us to just get over our trauma or, or disregard it or you know, pull yourselves up by the bootstrap and get over it. No, 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 We need to lovingly, compassionately, tenderly meet our own trauma. Um, and as we heal it, as we do that, as we are willing to be present with our traumatized selves, uh, then we can get present with our mundane selves, with the self that just needs to chop wood, carry water, do the dishes, you know, change the diapers, do what do you take care of the banking and get get somewhere on time to fulfill an agreement and so on. Um, but we also get to uh, when the magic isn't rescuing us, we get to meet our ego structures. You know, the reason I teach the Enneagram is it's a typology system that really describes a map of consciousness. We are all the whole Enneagram, not just the one type that we 
uh, identify as our core type. But, um, but there are certain tendencies. There's, there are certain um, challenges that each type has. And really, the, the Enneagram just describes the healing journey we need to be on. And um, when we're willing to meet ourselves in the day-to-day -day of it, and be with our reactivity and our shame and what throws us off and makes us mad and how we behave when someone's not behaving how we want them to and so on. Uh, well, that conscious meeting of ourselves uh, is our healing and evolution, is the way to peace, is the way to being peace in the world, to bringing peace and healing to others. Uh, and the, the magic wants to meet us in all of it but not to keep us from the pain. And so, as I was saying earlier, the more you cultivate the magic without expecting rescue from it or without expecting it to save you from any inconvenience or cost or so-called problem, uh, then the more easily it can get to you in troubled times, uh, in rock bottom moments. So I also wanted to say, I wanted to invite you not to beg the magic to be with you and uh, join you and meet you and come back to you and take care of you. Um, don't beg. And um, when we beg and when we keep asking over and over, like, you know, nothing says I really don't believe this shit is real or that it's actually coming to me like begging and repeating ourselves constantly, uh, which is kind of how I was taught to pray. So those are cool things to redefine. Now, Francine's story last time included, you know, a moment where she, she just very frankly said, you know, I begged. Uh, it was like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, show, show me where to go. Um, I love show me. I love show me as a, a powerful, simple, easy prayer to, to ask. And so when you feel disconnected from the magic, a simple thing you can say is show me the magic. Instead of where has it gone and begging it to come back, where has, where has it gone is not a useful question. I always like to catch disempowering questions and find something better to ask. Um, and I help my clients do the same. So um, a, better, a better thing to do with feeling disconnected from the magic or like it hasn't been around or like you forgot about it is, is um, We'll celebrate remembering it and say, show me, show me the magic and then watch for it. And you can ask for a sign, but you know, the sign might be really simple, gentle, sweet, little mundane, uh, inconsequential things. And uh, you know, sometimes we get a big doozy. And you know, so certainly what Francine was talking about was a rock bottom moment in life. You know, when she was at a, a turning point and a crossroads. Uh, so, you know, it's not that the universe is going to punish our begging. I've totally begged in those moments and I'm not against it. I just want you not to beg for the magic <laughs> as a way of life, as a way of relating to it. So, um, so more mundane magic. I mentioned my friend Evangeline and she recently, I am moving right now. Um, and it was one of those moves I didn't, uh, it's it, it sort of, um, I'm being spat out of where I live. My landlord that I decided to sell this home that I've lived in for 10 years. And you know, um, so much of the magic is about timing. And when I check in with timing, it's like, okay, no, it's time to go. I know that. I know I'm, I'm really done here. Um, but so that doesn't make the moving, you know, less tedious or less mundane, all these tasks to go through, except it kind of does because part of the magic is looking for the symbology and things without overlooking. Um, and, you know, I do it. I think that it actually makes the move and where I go next more significant for me to pause and treat the clearings, like the things that I'm moving along, throwing away, recycling, giving away, uh, to treat those that as, a, as an important clearing that doesn't just clear the literal things it's clearing or this actual building, but that clears stuff I'm done with. And that it allows me to, to really like symbolically put away an era of my life and step into the next one. But so Evangeline has come to help me move and my all my past experiences of moving, and I have moved many, 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 many times, maybe too many, 
my experiences with moving art, it's a pain in the ass. I hate it. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's just everything about it is just kind of awful. So I don't live that way anymore to declare those things, but that doesn't mean that it's not still underlying there and that I can get into like tension more quickly than I might dealing with the life I love uh, as opposed to my life that I love in this in-between time of moving. So, um, so Evangeline came over because she said, oh, I love this stuff. Let me come help you. And um, so she fucking took over. And uh, but in the best way, like I, I, I don't always love someone else taking over. Um, I be prone to taking over myself and that's more comfortable for me. But so, uh, you know, it was like, here are the four bins we need. We're going to label them. Okay, this room is where this goes. This room is where that goes. And oop, no, don't do that now. You need to come here and do that while I'm here because that you can do when I'm not here. And I have never had, we, we've done it like maybe three, two to three hours uh, moments together doing this. She's coming back again next week. It has never been easier to move. And, you know, so she's just, a human being in my world. I have many lovely local friends and people who would gladly help me. And it's the orchestration of the universe that happened. I happened to be in dialogue with Evangeline. She happened to tell me how much she loved that. She swooped in and it's amazing. I have another friend who's a two. They're the helper on the Enneagram who came just yesterday. And, and you know, just thanks to Evangeline, I knew what we were doing. I knew what was needed and we got more done. So that's just, that's, that's an example of mundane magic. And, you know, I have, I really love this goddess power deck and I, and I like to do Oracle drawings. Um, but I, I have little rules around them. Like I don't just draw a card to fix a problem or tell me what to do. I draw a card after I've been with something and I've done my inquiry and I've asked for guidance and I've, uh, you know, I've just met whatever stuff I have around it, and then I'm allowed to draw a card. Uh, and but I just I just drew one, you know, while I was doing a moving task one night, just sort of like, okay, where am I with this move? And I and what I got was in the in between goddess, the goddess who who deals with the in between. And it's like, okay, yeah, like just with without even having to think too deeply here, there's no card in the deck that better epitomized exactly where I was in that moment. But but you know, so it wasn't a big deal. It didn't give me some glorious insight that that healed my wounds with my dad or whatever, or, or showed me, you know, my life's work. It it what it did do though was uh just really remind me. And so I'm good. I, I'm just in that in-between time. It's okay if I'm less comfortable more often, or if I get tense and have to do more presence practices to come back to the breath. My God, yesterday I was at it the whole time my friend was helping me. She was like, oh, this is great. It's super meditative and lovely. And I was like, really? Because I'm consciously coming back to the breath just every fucking time I think of it many, many times a minute because uh, I keep taking off again. And, it's, and, that's, and that's worth, that's a process worth being in. So very soon, um, Lynn Frazier is coming on. So I want to tell you a story of a moment that the magic found me when I was having a hard time. The, the magic is with us our whole lives. And, you know, a lot of people like to say, oh, yeah, it was with me in childhood. Then I lost it. And now I'm getting it back. And I don't believe that story. I think that what happens is maybe I lost track of it or I forgot about it or I stopped seeing it or I didn't cultivate it. I didn't pursue it. Uh, all of these things are true for me, for my own experience. Um, but, but the magic doesn't leave us. And uh, I remember a time when... Um, so I got, I got through high school without killing myself and I somehow managed to, to get through a college degree with just intense pain and suffering and losing my religion and, and uh, really feeling after that that I was free falling. I didn't know who I was. My whole being had been constructed around what the Southern Baptist Church told me was important and true. I felt really screwed over by the universe because um, what I had been taught was truth with a capital T. It turned out was not actually. And um, yeah, so I was doing better. Like I was, I was doing better by a few years later and I was uh, being more myself. I was starting to understand 
some stuff about myself. I was finding cool things. Like I remember right around this time, I'm telling you about, I just happened at the library. They were featuring Maya Angelou in the library. And I like just pretty much died over uh, her poetry book. Uh, I know why the cage bird sings and uh, you know, like Xerox copied like the pages and taped them up on my slanted ceiling and they were hanging down. So I splattered orange paint on them. Totally four-ish activities um, in Oxide uh, early 20 times. But, um, but so, so during that time, I really wasn't, I hadn't really gotten to a new belief system yet. Oh, not, not, not really, not at all. And I was scared to believe anything, but I, but I was, I was healing. So um, what, what happened was while well, I was in a new city, uh, hi Lynn, I'm so glad you're here and I'm gonna finish this story and then <laughs> and bring you on. It's, my, it's actually my transition to Lynn's story. There we go. <laughs> Okay, so so in this new city, new state, very far from the uh, other one I had been in where I went to college, um, I, I went I went one night to a French film now um, now at Duke University in Durham. Um, and uh, and that was just a way that I kept cultivating my relationship with France. Uh, so my the year that I lost my religion that I referred to as my second year of college and I was in France. And it suddenly occurred to me, everybody around me was going to hell based on my belief system. And so that was no longer acceptable. And at some point while I was some dude who lived in France came to my college in the US the next year and I met him and I was just part of a group that, you know, we just knew each other and had some conversations. And at the time he was like, I thought he was really interesting. And one time he told me in a conversation that, yeah, you know, like in French, you know, and with French male arrogance, yeah, you, you just lack a certain, I mean, you know, there's some salt to you, but there's, there's really no pepper, you know, and it was like, yeah, fuck you, thanks, bye. Um, and um, so these years later, I, I go to this French film on another campus in another city, there's no connection between the campuses. There's no, there's, there are no connections between the fields here I were in and this place where they would just happen to be showing a French movie at Duke. And I watched the whole movie and like afterwards I'm all feeling, oh, angsty, you know, the good kind existentialist French bullshit stuff that I love. And um, I turn around and he's sitting behind me. And we both like, we just stare at each other and like, we're just kind of shockingly looking at each other and like, what are you doing here? And, you know, he invited me to get together. And um, I didn't, I didn't. And, you know, that was before I'd done any major or real healing. My trauma was entirely unaddressed. And I just knew, but I was starting to be myself more. I was starting to look for what it meant to be truer to myself. I hadn't learned about presence. In fact, I did everything I could to sort of escape anything that, anyway, I knew that it wasn't going to be helpful to me to hang out with someone who thought I lacked pepper. <laughs> and so it was a huge deal to not go with, oh, you know, and that's a way we can, we can interpret the magic badly is to think, oh, well, I guess I'm supposed to get together with this person because I know them from before. But a lot of what the magic does is just say, pay attention. And miraculously, I did pay attention in that moment. And I spared myself tedious meetings with someone that I was gonna try to tap dance for. So, um, so here's our dear Lynn Frazier, the queen of presence, the queen of trauma or healing trauma. And Lynn, uh, let's talk about how this topic of magic coalesces with those things. I'm not sure even, you know, this is such a hard thing to put into words. Um, sometimes the, the people we meet, the directions we take, the you know, I think about when I was first connected with uh, my meditation tradition. Um, and it just, I remember thinking at the time, if I spent all my good karma in this life, getting connected with those people and with my meditation teacher, it would have been karma well spent. You know, we, we're always trying to make sense of our lives. And, you know, sometimes we look at a, a, a person or a situation or a group that we somehow connected with and it seems like it was a really negative impact and you know I was in a relationship for a long time which wasn't healthy for me and 
you know, it's easy to look at that and go, Oh, why, why was I in that? Or to, you know, I, from a trauma lens, I can look back now and see why I was in that and why I couldn't get out. Um, so a lot of it is, um, you know, we look back at our lives sometimes and if it worked out well, then we think, well, it must have been magic, good karma. And if it didn't work out well, then something else. So it's, it's a really kind of a perspective. It's an interesting thing to look at from that perspective. I'm very interested by that uh, and by learning to reframe it. And, um, you know, one of the things that I really, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on was I was thinking about how often people see the universe they're living in as punitive, you know, and we, we just so quickly go to, I'm being punished because uh, the magic seems to be withheld or because I went through an experience that felt bad, even more so if the, if the magic sort of got us to the situation and the situation is something painful. It's where we experience failure and learn to, to believe in ourselves and keep going as opposed to, you know, the glorious success we thought the magic was supposed to take us to. Um, so, so I wanted to talk with you about that, that it's not a, a, a punitive universe. And uh, is that enough? Or do, do you want a, a specific question there? Go ahead, if you want to, if you have something specific. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, I just remember um, that we were talking about, um, oh, it's going to be really funny if I just totally lost that. I lost it. So I guess it's up to you, Lynn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, my experience is that the universe is not punitive. I think a lot of things happen. A lot of, um, there's a lot of complexity when you think about all the different people, all of the different trauma histories, all of the different pains that people are suppressing and expressing in unhealthy ways. And, there's going to be a lot of things that happen. And I don't believe that there's somebody kind of watching out for us and trying to do good things for us. And I don't think that there's someone trying to punish us. I think that things just happen and then we can stay present with it and work with it and learn from it. And I think it's, um, it's tempting sometimes to think about, well, I meant to learn this, or, you know, God has a plan for me, or, you know, whatever language we might use, it's not God, but it kind of means the same thing, the universe has a plan for me. And I think it's easy to get into some kind of a well, if it if my if the plan it has for me involves me being hurt, or in pain, a lot of the time, then I must be being punished for something. So I think it's, um, you know, I, I'm kind of interested sometimes in how sometimes when people go into deep presence and deep meditation, there's a, a feeling of joy and well-being and connection. And sometimes when people go in, there's a, a terrifying fear. And some of it, I think, has to do with the beliefs that we formed around why do things happen to us and the you know, it's, it's, it would be, it would make sense that things happen to us for a reason, because then it doesn't seem so terrifyingly random, but I don't, that's not really my experience. My experience is that we're all basically good. The universe is basically neutral. And, and if we're present and we're not shaming ourselves and we're not you know, the more that our nervous system is dysregulated. So if we bring it back to the trauma lens, if we can regulate our nervous system and be present in this moment in time, we come fresh to each moment. And when we come fresh to each moment, then we're not dissociating. We're not catastrophic thinking. We're not trying to control it to get our needs met. We're just showing up fresh. And, and that to me is when the magic kind of really happens because we're really present. And so for me, I've had a big freeze response. So people have fight, flight, or freeze. And so mine has been more of a freeze. And I must say, it's probably, it was hard to have a relationship with me because I wasn't really there. And as I healed and as I became more present, then I became more available to life, but also to me. 
and to other people and to relationships. And I don't come into a relationship assuming that because I was hurt in the past that I'm going to be hurt again. So I'm kind of more open to, we could call it magic for sure. The magic of interacting with each other and of life and, and the beauty and the joy of that. I, uh, I wanted to have you speak to first efforts at presence or good enough presence or just seeking to drop into presence. Cause you mentioned, you know, what happens, what can happen when we go into deep states of presence. And I just want everyone to connect to presence however they can and, and feel great about, you know, being newbies at it or feeling like they're still bad at it, though they keep trying. What have you got to say about that, Lynn? So one of the things I would say is that there's a lot of hype about bliss consciousness and that's a state of consciousness. It's not presence necessarily. Mm. So when people have experiences of bliss, um, and sometimes those are linked to Kundalini energy in the body, um, that those are experiences. And they can be very powerful and very meaningful and very helpful. Um, And the same with really experiences of terror as well. But experiences aren't the same as presence. So that would be the first thing is it's easy to get feeling kind of um, some kind of shame or inadequacy if we haven't had the big, you know, piercing of the bindu and, and going into bliss. And in, in the tradition that I'm in, there's a lot of emphasis on that does those states don't really matter too much. They're nice if they happen, but that's not the point. And then the other thing I would say is that the mind is vast and a part of the mind is taken up mostly by the nervous system, primitive brain worries and anxiety. And we can't really access presence if our mind is engaged in that. So to calm the nervous system, to learn how to regulate your nervous system. And as those thoughts calm down, then what happens is, the silence that's always there becomes available to us. So I don't actually think we have to do anything other than kind of clear out the obstacles. And it's, and then we're, and then what's there is the silence and the peace and, and what we would call presence. The silence is magic in itself. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and then, you know, crazy things can, when we, when we learn to quiet the mind or even just to let the mind do whatever it's doing, but we're not, but we're able to focus instead on what's hurting in the body or what's happening here and now as the thoughts continue, but I'm, but I'm still bringing it to now. And what, what are my senses telling me? Because they'll always report what's here and now. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, then, you know, flashes of insight can come in and um, mm-hmm. little moments of uh, maybe even a memory flashing in that we, that we needed for some reason, or, mm-hmm. or an, an understanding that something doesn't matter, that we've been hyper-focused on thinking it mattered a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'd like, as I said before, the magic isn't coming in or we don't feel it when we're in a problem solving mentality. My life is a problem to solve. Right. Right. And the way our nervous system and primitive brain works is that it's always trying to keep us safe from danger. And so it's got a negativity bias. It's very compulsive when we feel like we're in danger. And that's the way our system works. It's, it's almost impossible to to calm ourselves and go into presence if our nervous system's going red alert, red alert, red alert, because we just can't do it. So there's a lot of ways that, that we can downregulate. And in yoga and meditation, we know a lot of them. And, you know, there's the breath, there's holding our own hand, there's looking around the room and noticing, you know, the cues of safety in the room. There's a lot of very reliable somatic and, and the nervous system is in our body. It's our unconscious mind in our body primarily and our primitive brain and the brainstem and all of those things. So if we do some preliminary practices to come in and what you just talked about was what's happening in my senses. 
So what am, what am I feeling in my body? But what are my, you know, what am I hearing? What am I seeing? Um, can I, you know, feel the comfort of the warmth of my hand on my heart? But then as we come into that, who is experiencing that? So who's experiencing our sense perceptions? So we withdraw our mind, we withdraw our attention from the past. So we, we let go of, you know, thoughts might be coming into the mind, but we let go of ruminating about the past and worrying about the future. So we come into this moment and coming into our sensory experience is very helpful for coming into the moment. And then who's experiencing this moment? And what is the space the body is in? And what is the space that these sensory perceptions are coming through? And is that space, like right now, this particular space is where my body is sitting and in. And right now, that's where it was a minute ago. <laughs> but what is the space? And who is it that's experiencing the space? And so sometimes that can also be a pointer of there's somebody here experiencing this. And then the space itself is also here. And, and we can put our attention to that. I think that uh, some of my most important training in just learning presence myself was um, it wasn't a class or a teacher or anything called mindfulness. It was having insomnia and wanting to be with it differently. And I had already undergone significant transformation through inquiry, like just through mental processes using the work of Byron Katie. Um, but so I stopped thinking that I should be asleep when I was awake. And I would just lie in bed. I decided it's time to meet consciousness if I'm still conscious instead of right. thinking I should be sleeping and I'm not sleeping because then I was just in resistance. Right. So, uh, right. Yeah. So I, so I just started being with myself for real. I mean, I think it was also my first significant refusal to abandon myself. Yeah. And I would be awake for hours, but I wasn't predicting what a horrible day I, I was going to have. And I wasn't thinking yeah. about what a terrible mom I was going to be tomorrow and was yesterday or what, you know, I really was just, I feel this in my face. My face always hurts when I, when I'm like get very little sleep and my mm -hmm. eyes feel like this and, oh, the room quality feels a certain way. And there's this, the darkness feels a certain way on my lids. And the more I just tuned into everything the more I felt held, you know, in sort of the black velvet of the night, you know, the more I felt that I in fact wasn't alone. And I really was thinking more of lying in the arms of gravity than anything else. But then I would think I, then I sort of grew that to lying in the arms of love, but, but it wasn't that it wasn't like that bliss thing you were talking about. And it wasn't meeting myself being glorious and amazing. And it was me at my worst, feeling horrible, you know, scared, sad, yeah. and, and uh, but, but the magic came in for me just by my willingness to meet myself there. Yes, yes, yes. And that's, um, you know, when we look at the kinds of thoughts that are in the mind, so you were having a direct perception practice, although you probably wouldn't have called it that at the time but you were just directly perceiving what was happening in the moment. And so if thoughts came in about what kind of a bad mom you were the week day before or something, or how are you going to get through the day being so tired? Those are past and future. So then you were just coming back to the present. Back. Exactly. Right. Okay. What's here now, but it was about meeting myself here now. Right. Yeah. And so the way that that often happens is that people have some kind of experience in the present moment oftentimes there's some kind of contraction or tightness or shame or a, a traumatic memory comes up and we get scared and we resist it like you were talking about and so by just finding a way to say no i'm just going to get to know myself i'm just going to stay with my experience then 90 percent of the mind chatter went away or it 
moved out because you weren't giving it your energy your attention anymore and then what's left i mean that really is the key is we're so scared to be with ourselves that we will do almost anything to not spend time with ourselves and a lot of that is just there's unhealed trauma in our body but if we can for any for however we get the pathway into that to get curious and to go, you know, maybe I could just be here with myself. And then what happens is we discover that we're actually good inside. We're not, you know, we're thinking we're going to find that rotten garbage or something in there. And all of those core deficiency beliefs of I'm not lovable and I'm not worthy that are based on our experiences. But those are just beliefs that are based on our experiences. And so if we can come into that, just being present in this moment, what's happening here. And then it just kind of opens up. And then from there, we're able to do the same in beautiful moments without needing it to be intense, you know, that it's not drunkenness, whether we're talking about actual alcoholic inebriation or just being drunk on life or on just wow happening you know or bungee bungee jumping or whatever it is right right you know, that, that we can actually get present to those moments when everything feels magical and aligned and or, or just um amazing timing happen happens you know like I, I was thinking you know amazing timing is what got me to the intersection where my major car accident happened and, and, you know, so, so that's a so-called bad thing, except I really had some beautiful experiences around that. And it was the beginning of me seriously getting on a path. It was definitely one of those life wake-up calls. But, you know, but sometimes, you know, when life is slowing us down and we think, oh, I'm not in the flow, the slowdown is what was needed for us just to have a random chance encounter with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a cool, I had a cool experience the other day, uh, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, my, my kid was going through a crisis and I was making a bunch of calls to, to support what, what he needed help with. And I, and I just, the first call I made was just someone who popped in my head and I just called them, but I didn't get through. I left a brief message, didn't hear back from them. I just went on to the next thing. So the, the day actually aligned gorgeously. We, we got exactly the solution we needed. I mean, there was a fair amount of magic going on there. Um, but at the end of the day, this, this person calls me back. And, um, and, and I said, oh, hi, I don't need you anymore. You know, totally resolved. And then we had this very brief conversation in which this thing that I needed to address that, that would have taken hours of my time to figure out and deal with got immediately addressed by something she told me. And it was over. And so the hours I put into my kids sort of got traded for that other task that I thought was on my to-do list. Uh. Yeah, so that, that's what that's what you know, that thing that I like to refer to the the orchestrating intelligence of the universe that, that, you know, we can, all these things are coalescing together. And sometimes we don't know how, and we don't need to know. And there's right. nothing for us to force or require or you right. just keep showing up now and now and now and uh, when we keep living in in prioritizing presence, prioritizing the self-care so that we can be more relaxed more of the time, more in alignment more of the time. Well, mm-hmm. then uh, any number of things, you know, I come, to, I come to email thinking I need to write so-and-so and they've already written me. And it's, it, so it's not about how efficiently am I living and am I thinking of everything? And that's where our nervous system right. like yeah the vigilance of well and if we if we know ourselves well which we do get to know ourselves as we spend time with ourselves and we resolve some of the shame and the trauma and those things then we have the capacity to notice what's happening so how would we even notice magic or synchronicity or anything if we're dissociated or if we're caught in a loop of compulsive thinking about something so this presence and being able to be here in our present moment is essential because otherwise we're just going to skate right on by we're not even going to notice yeah 
So that's the whole key is to do whatever we can. And you know, when I talk about the direct perception, then what generally happens with thoughts after direct perception is then we'll start assessing or evaluating those thoughts. And so we're like, okay, well, you know, I must be a loser if I can't get to sleep or this is going to be like this forever. And we'll start doing some kind of catastrophic thinking usually too. And then the other form of thoughts is we just go into some completely random train of thoughts, but to, to be able to come back to direct perception can really anchor us in the moment. So that can be a beautiful practice of going into presence as well as a practice of getting to know ourselves. So what are the thoughts that are coming through the mind? Uh, Is it shaming thoughts? Is it judgmental thoughts? Um, Are we just kind of going off into some kind of a lovely fantasy? Are we, are we bypassing our present life by kind of imagining what it would be like if we were something different, but all of those things are taking us out of presence. And so in order to be open to the beauty and the joy of life, we need to be here for it. And I think that's one thing that as I was coming out of freeze and I was really actually living in my life, you know, I walk outside and I breathe in the air and I appreciate it. Whereas before I probably wouldn't even have noticed it unless it was really cold or something, you know, right now I can hear the rain on the roof and I can smell the air with the rain in the forest. Mm. And I wouldn't have probably noticed that before. So there's so many things that can really bring us back into this, just the simple joy of being alive. And ultimately that is the magic, just that this, that we live in a world that's full of things to bring awe and wonder to, and to just find beautiful and amazing and sweet and any Mm -hmm. of things. Well, and in the meditation tradition, the Himalayan tradition that I study in and teach in, one of the things they talked about was with samadhi, which is kind of enlightenment, um, is that samadhi is an equilibrium in the mind. So it's like a steadiness in the mind. But that what happens as you progress isn't quite the right word, but as you deepen spiritually, is that you forget what it was like before. So your mind field is becoming more still. And some of the thoughts that used to be in your mind field aren't so present anymore. And so for me, if I, if I have some kind of worry go through my mind, it might be um, something that lasts for a few minutes or a few hours or something. Whereas in the past, it probably would have lasted for sometimes years. right? And I had so much compulsive and catastrophic thinking that I literally was never in my body. I wasn't breathing properly. I was always worried about things, but, but as that healed, then even the memory of it kind of drops away and I can kind of think in my head, Oh yeah, I used to do that, but I can't really experience it like that anymore because that's not, that's not my mind field anymore. And so as we heal and as we access presence and stillness, then that becomes what we know. And yeah, and that's beautiful. It really is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, you know, and it, it, often the mundane kind of beautiful, just mm. nothing pizzazzy, nothing right. <laughs> to tell someone about just, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes that will open up into, um, you know, an experience of bliss or something like that. Um, and that's fine. I mean, sometimes those experiences are very, um, encouraging and they help us to know that there's more than just our daily life. Um, and that our daily life is pretty special too, you know? Yeah. Lynn, is there anything you would tell somebody, uh, who, who has had trauma at whatever level of healing they're at? Who, who quickly goes to punitive interpretations, who quickly thinks they're being punished if the magic seems to fall away or, or if, if they seem to be just out of alignment or things don't seem to be going well for them. I would always come back to kindness. 
I love that. So, so just to come back and notice right now, I'm really giving myself a hard time. I'm going into some kind of dysfunctional thinking, put your hand on your heart and come back into kindness. And these are patterns that we develop through our life based on our experiences. And then we can come back to this, to the stillness of who we really are and let all of that go. I think like for me, it's really about interrupting those thoughts instead of running with them. Yes, absolutely. And so there's where mindfulness comes in. We need to notice that we're shaming ourselves or that we're compulsive about something and then come back into uh, kindness. Can I be on my own side? Can I be helpful instead of following those trains of thoughts that are really, there's so much suffering in those and it's really not necessary and it's not true. You know, we develop these core deficiency beliefs, but they're not true. So what's really true is what we discover when we're present with ourselves and stillness and quiet and we're appreciating those small things in life. And that's what's really true. I like to uh, invite people to celebrate the moment of awareness, whether you catch yourself quickly or two weeks later or a year later, it doesn't matter because the moment of awareness is the moment when, when coming back to now and to yourself is possible again. And then all things open up again. Mm -hmm. And thank you 